Are you having the business Sunday scaries, but the scaries are actually for the whole year of 2024? You're scrambling to find the time and bandwidth to think about what you want to accomplish in your business for the year ahead while simultaneously processing the last year. Wait, that was 2021, right? You're staring at the 2023 goals you set at the beginning of this year and are wondering what kind of ambition came over you in the first place. On top of that, you worry you weren't productive enough in this business year and that you won't be able to gain the momentum and traction to move your weight-inclusive business forward when the clock strikes January 1st. You were feeling out of control and avoidant, wondering, how am I going to keep making this happen? If this sounds like you, don't worry. Our past selves are raising our hands too. Then join us for this free webinar, Maximizing New Year Energy, How to Propel Your Business Forward Through Goal-Setting Cycles on Monday, December 18th. You're going to leave this webinar inspired by New Year Energy, but not in a weird diet culture way. More knowledgeable about how to take your goals from vision to implementation, you're going to be able to conceptualize how to break down your big ideas, your yearly goals, into actionable and attainable goals, quarterly, monthly, and weekly, and feel empowered to lean into the cycles that naturally occur in our business. To sign up to our webinar, head on over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com or check out the show notes. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians to building a cohesive brand to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. Today, I am chatting with Whitney Bateson, registered dietitian and creator of the dietitian website system. We are going to be chatting about running a business that is time zone independent, choosing a less traditional approach to dietetics, and the importance of having a solid online presence. Whitney Bateson is a business owner and digital nomad. She's been traveling and working outside of the U.S. for nearly five years. She is the creator of the Dietitian Website System, which is a live six-week group program that helps nutrition entrepreneurs create beautiful, functional, profitable websites without the tech overwhelm that generate more traffic and attract more clients. Since 2018, Whitney and her team have helped 100-plus entrepreneurs establish themselves online, help more people, and confidently build thriving nutrition businesses that can be run from anywhere. Whitney, welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Morgan. I'm excited. I think it's just, just need to note this. You're currently in Bali. Bali. It is yeah. 11 hours ahead from where I'm at. So it is nighttime for you. Thank you so much for <laughs> dedicating yeah. time to chat in the middle of your night. Yeah, absolutely. No, I have adjusted my schedule to be able to do the the more like East Coast hour meetings. You know, it's a small price to pay to be like working from paradise. <laughs> yeah, happy to do it. <laughs> the first time that I ever heard about being like a digital nomad, which I guess is technically what you are. I like to do a little like four to six week trips at a time and then come home. But you are truly yeah. a digital nomad. Um, yeah. The first time I ever heard about that was actually through two girls who were in Bali. And so when I think of digital nomad lifestyle, 
I naturally think of Bali now and you're living that life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, is like, to me, Bali has, because, you know, it was in Eat, Pray, Love. It was like one of the first trips. It's what got me like really interested in traveling like full time and traveling a lot. I just, I came, I did like an eight day trip, which is way too short to like fly all the way to Bali. It was a group trip and I just absolutely loved it. And then um, fast forward, this was my third time coming here. And I was like, oh, maybe Bali's like a little, you know, like over and whatever. But now I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's the best. But I also thought it was over, but there's actually not a lot of people from the U.S. that come here. It's a lot of Australians. That's what I've, yes, that's how it was. I visited there in 2016 and it was the same thing, like lots mm-hmm. of Australians. Cause I guess it's, I mean, it's so yeah. close to it's them. Close. Yeah. It's definitely. And so when like I'm here and there's so many conveniences, like you can get your avocado toast and a really good cookie and all these different things. And I'm like, oh, it's, you know, there's so many like Western conveniences. Like, no, they're Australian conveniences. This was not made made for Australians, but it works. So it's, uh, it's wonderful, but it's definitely like a far flung place to be a digital nomad. If you are a U.S. based worker you're in Bali, you've been traveling for a while, but let's take it back to whenever you first became a dietitian. Tell us your life story. How did you get to Bali? (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to originally go into like the sciences or become like a surgeon or something. Um, uh, before going into college and then I got into college and I was like, Oh no, I'm not going the pre-med track. And, um, like so many dietitians, I was also struggling with an eating disorder at that time. And so I was like, I want to learn everything there is to know about nutrition. So it seems like, okay, it's science. I also did feel strongly about the fact that I I did want to help people before their health became a problem. Like I wanted to solve the problem before they were coming in needing medication and all of that. So I did connect very deeply with the message of helping people and, and whatnot, Um, so, and then as I went on and got into my internship, I learned about policy work and I was like, well, I'm always one that wants to like affect the most change humanly possible. And so I felt nutrition was a way to help people more. And then policy work was like, well, food policy, if you're setting food policy, that's impacting how people eat in the U S and how funds are distributed and allocated and all of that. So I wanted to, and then I also learned about school nutrition and I thought schools were also the place where you could have just such a huge impact on the lives of so many people. And um, so I did very literally, I was like, I'm going to go to DC and I'm going to work in school nutrition um, in DC. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, And like cut to 10 years later, I was working, I was still living in DC, but working um, remotely at that time at uh, a food service management company doing school nutrition work. And during that time, I had slowly taken on more responsibilities of like managing this uh, meal uh, recipe planning menu management software. Uh, So I had been working with the developers and trying to interpret the needs of our directors and users into requirements that the developers would then implement. And so I really liked thinking about user experience and I just liked the whole idea of development. I, it was, I liked finding bugs. I liked testing things. 
And then I also had been doing a lot when it came to like marketing and even graphic design and just found that those were the things that I was starting to get really excited about. I was less excited about the nutrition side of things. Um, so then cut again, a little forward. I decided, you know what? I don't want to work for anyone else anymore. I need to do my own thing. I don't think any, well, also I was like, I don't think anyone's going to hire me to like do a non-dietitian job because my entire resume just, it was just dietitian. Um, which of course people pivot and go into other careers and there's plenty of ways to go and do that. But I was like, I'm just going to make my own path and create my own job. So, uh, that's what I did. I was still very passionate about helping nutrition entrepreneurs and dietitians. So that's why I created my business to help other dietitians do their work and fulfill their passion of helping people in whatever way that that looks. So, uh, yeah, that's the this is the story. Version one of the dietitian website system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I started my business and we started, I quickly put together a team to help me like do websites. And um, so we did custom websites for about three years. And I was really proud of like the systems we put together. We, uh, we I use Rike for project management. It's a little bit more developer focused, so you don't hear as many people using it as opposed to like ClickUp or Monday or Asana and those kinds of things. Um, but we had put together an automated workflow and just, I was so proud of it. We had a QA process and all that, but it was a lot of work. It was, it took a lot of time. Um, and I also at that time, needed to replace my project manager. And I was just having a hard time doing that. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> can either go back and try and hire, uh, cause I hired one, it didn't work out. So go back and hire again, or just create something that doesn't require a project manager. And I had been wanting to do a course, like ever since I started my business, I wanted to do a course, but I was really glad that I waited until I had that clarity. And um, so we wrapped all of our processes up into the dietitian website system and then launched that in 2022 actually and um it was nerve-wracking i was nervous about it i had you know put off doing it because i was you know just had these like limiting beliefs about different aspects of it um but it's been the best thing ever so <laughs> uh it all worked out yeah, yeah. I know one thing that, because you and I have met before, which is how we're now yeah. here recording. And uh, we obviously both run uh, much less traditional dietetics jobs while still supporting people in this space. Yeah, what yeah. led you to wanting to work with dietitians specifically instead of in a corporation? Like what kept you, like you love the development side of everything. Like, why did you keep working with dietitians? I didn't feel like dietitians had the resources targeted towards them to help them. Um, and I saw that we needed help, you know, um, like so many entrepreneurs, they're not graphic designers. They're not you know, natural copywriters, they either need to have someone do that for them, or they need to learn some of those things. Like I think learning copywriting is a good skill for every business owner yeah. doing like graphic design. I don't know that every business owner needs to be like a Canva whiz, but a copywriter, 
yeah, that's, that's a useful skill. Uh, so I, I just personally felt like, you know what? Dietitians, their hearts are like so big. They want to do the right thing. They want to help people, but they just are not being like shown as the expert all the time because honestly, sometimes people are judging a book by its cover. And so if their resources are looking a little janky and a little outdated, um, their copywriting isn't very good, then they're not going to be taken seriously. They're not, you know, someone else is going to come and swoop in and convince that customer that they are a better fit, even though that dietitian is actually very skilled and competent and probably better at solving that person's problem. Um, so I just really wanted to help a profession that I felt, you know, obviously so connected to as being one of them as well. Oh, I totally feel that and couldn't agree more. I was like, Canva, Matt, you can, you can figure it out if you need to, but the ability to convey like what your values are, what your mission is, who you're trying to reach through copywriting is key, I think, yeah. to being, I would say just being confident and showing up online too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because you really need to like, like that confidence comes through in what you're writing. And a lot of the work that I do with our clients too, is about giving them that confidence to put themselves out there. And I'm sure you have seen this too with your clients, like it, putting a website out there on the web is like such a big, it's like putting your heart out there for everyone it's to see vulnerable. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. And so in addition to the technical things that we help our clients get over and overcome and help them to make it beautiful and make it functional and all of that, it's just like telling them like, you can do this. We're going to do this together. Here's okay. You're getting a little stuck here. Here's a quick way to overcome that. Here's how we can adjust it. Hey, guess what? If you don't have your lead magnet ready yet, you can go live without it. I'm recommending that you have a lead magnet. I'm recommending that you have an email list building system on your website. But listen, a website that is launched is better than a website that sits gathering cobwebs and holding you back from doing what you need to do. So let's just get it launched, get it out there. And we're going to keep adding and, you know, it's going to be okay. And I think some of those things are just so critical. And going back to like the reason that I wanted to help our profession is because I feel like there are plenty of web designers out there, but are they going to give that kind of helping supportive hand and understand, Hey, this is actually an emotional thing for this person and let's support them through it. Like otherwise, no, they're just going to be like, okay, well, we'll just leave that off or we'll just make something for you. And it's probably not going to be very good or, you know, whatever. Yeah. They don't have the, the, firsthand experience of what it's like to be in this profession. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I want to keep chatting about strategy stuff and we'll get to that. But before we get too deep into that, I, this is my favorite part of your story is you are now time zone independent because you and I had talked and I was like, oh yeah, I want to be location independent. And you then mentioned being time zone independent. I was like, oh no, that's what I want. That's really (laughs) cool. So what has that path looked like? Like how did, how did this even start of you traveling and working and being time zone independent? Right. Um, so it's funny because I was thinking about our conversation that was coming up today. And I was like, you know, I started my business before I knew I wanted to be remote and location independent. The business actually came first, but then I quickly learned about remote year, which was the 
company that organized my travel for the first year of of my travel. So I had never traveled internationally by myself really uh, prior to this. I'd had opportunities to in college, but I was still kind of just going through some mental health things and still recovering from my eating disorder. And just like, it didn't, I didn't feel comfortable going to like unfamiliar places and being around people and, you know, just, it can reveal some things about yourself that you still want to keep kind of private and quiet. Um, so, you know, I think just giving, um, anyone that's listening who maybe still is struggling with some of those things, just know that I, I, I totally get it. And I, I went through that and I recognize how hard it can be to even see this as a possibility when you're still struggling with some things that are, um, kind of just difficult and that it it is possible. I never thought that I would be where I am today with the comfort level I have with just being in unfamiliar places and not knowing exactly what's going to happen and being around people I don't know and all different eating situations and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I had found out about remote year from an Instagram ad. So Instagram marketing does work. And um, their ads are also phenomenal. They did. There was one this summer because after we talked about it, obviously they started popping up all over my social media. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) it had like summer in the Texas heat with like the cost of living here. And it's like soaking up the sun in, I don't know what it was, Argentina or wherever. And I was like, oh God, you're right. Yeah. Just sticking that little, yeah. Their their advertisements are top tier. Yeah. And if you go on their website, you will see a few photos of, you know, our group. And for me, like the one month programs, there's some people on top of a van. That's me and my fiance actually behind me. And oh my gosh. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're the reason that I met my fiance and, you know, we, we started traveling in the same group and didn't know each other. And then, you know, love blossomed, but (laughs) But uh, yeah, Remote Year allowed me to start working uh, from different places. We went to a different country every month for a year. So it was a very rapid pace. I will not say it was easy. It definitely tested my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, um, just because it was just so much change, so many things happening, so many exciting things happening. It was the best year of my life. I felt like I got back the college experience that I hadn't quite gotten in college. And I I kind of joked with some people the other day. I was like, yeah, it's like we're in college, but now we have more money. Like now we can like scenario go on a safari or the group that is here right now, now in Bali, they're taking a three day uh, boat trip to the Komodo islands. And uh, you know, they all rented like a luxury yacht together, like, and it still didn't cost that much money because it's, you know, so it's it's not like everyone's bawling, but um, yeah, so did that. And then just was like with my fiance, by the end of the trip, we were like, yeah, we want to keep going. So we just continued to travel, but um, you know, being remote was fine and being location independent was fine because as a web designer, you don't need to be meeting your, your clients in person. There was some concern, mainly from my dad, that like my clients wouldn't like that I was abroad. And 
you know what? Anyone with that fear, I think you just have to own it and you have to see it as something that's just part of your life and it's interesting. And I've really never had anyone say, oh, like, so you're not in the US. Like, as long as you deliver the work, you show up on time, you you do what you're supposed to do, then then it's fine. Um, and again, you just have to own it and be like, this is my life. And yeah, you know, I feel like it goes back to kind of that values alignment because I had a similar thought being in Spain for a couple of weeks back in the spring. And it just kind of boiled down to like, if they don't like that I'm here, then like, we're probably not a good fit anyway. Um, yes. But I also had a couple of calls with people like while I was there that I was, you know, doing projects with, or I was giving them a heads up when we were signing the project of like, Hey, I am going to be in Spain for a couple of weeks. And the first reaction from all of them was like, Oh, I've been to Spain. Here's my recommendations. Right. And so it was like, yes, a, like, um, ability point. to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Connecting point for, for us. And that was like super cool. And yeah. So right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And my parents so, the same fears. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they got to bring it up. I learned to just calmly answer every single question that they had and not fight back. And, you know, my dad was like, do you know who runs, you know, do you know the the CEO of remote year? I'm like, no, you know, <laughs> are you asking me that? No, but uh, it's like, I don't know the CEO of United Airlines, but I still fly on their, you know, their planes. So exactly. exactly. Uh, but um, so getting used to that and adjusting to time zones and whatnot was, was fine. But uh what and so we did go to asia during the one year um program but it was definitely challenging and i hadn't been back this is my first time being back since uh the spring of 2019 and mm -hmm. i had i always i set little reminders on my phone that pop up i have them set at varying intervals so like once a week some of them sometimes once a month and i had set one that says i have a team that allows me to work from anywhere in the world and just setting that intention of being like okay I'm going to ensure because then it's like, well, what is it that isn't allowing me to work from anywhere in the world? What are the things that I'm saying to myself? Oh, well, I can't work in Asia because of X. So, okay, what's the solution to that? Is it that you need to delegate some things? Is it a limiting belief that you have? Because honestly, it boiled down to a lot of limiting beliefs. It was just like, oh, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to be available after like 1 p.m. Eastern time to respond to emails. And it's like, most people are fine. If they email you after 1 p.m., they don't need a response. And I still, and I, I did strategically hire um, someone on my team who is U.S.-based. And I was very adamant about that. It's like, I do want at least one person who is always there and around during normal business hours. It's not like she's working for me, you know, full time or eight hours a day. So I don't, I'm still not expecting her to like manage the inbox. And, but, but also it's like most businesses have a 24 to 48 hour response time right. anyway. So it's like, why am I holding myself to some of these weird requirements that yeah. are not reasonable? Um, so well, it's also I like, think, yeah, it's, it's different too with websites. Like, is there truly an emergency with websites that can't wait until? The next morning right a little bit later yeah a little bit later it's not like you know okay. seeing clients which is which is very different there usually is more time sensitive time sensitivity yeah. with that but yeah it's like yeah. in in the type of work that we do like right. nothing is truly that urgent right 
Yeah, we also aren't running like e-commerce sites where if the site is down for a little bit, it's going to cost money. I mean, there obviously still is a cost and we never, never want downtime on our client sites. Like obviously that is so important, but I, my, my development team is mainly based in Asia. Um, One of them is a fellow traveler who I met on my program. So he sometimes is in Asia, sometimes somewhere else. Um, And so usually if something happens and the client is emailing around the end of their day, Mm -hmm. within a couple hours, my team's coming online and they're fixing it before that client wakes up anyway. So there's kind of this round the clock stuff happening. But I will say the thing that did hold me back and would hold anyone back from being not just location independent, but time zone independent, where you can literally work from any time zone, is that amount of one-to-one FaceTime live synchronous stuff that you have to do. Like I already within my team, because of the nature of my team being spread across time zones, um, we've become very asynchronous in our communications, you know, and it's, it's interesting because if you start learning about like leadership and management, so many of the books are like, okay, so you're going to have a meeting, you know, all hands on meeting on Monday. And I'm like, that just doesn't work for me. That is not something that I'm ever going to be able to do. And I've had to get over that and not feel like I'm a bad business owner or manager because I don't have team meetings. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> We've survived. And so we have airtight procedures about how we communicate, how we track tasks, Um and it's it's worked really well. We've had that in place for many years. Reich is a big piece of it and just um, how we manage that internally. And then having my program now, my live group coaching program is much easier to manage than if we were to have a bunch of client websites going on. Although even then, you're only meeting with the clients a few times then you're just meeting with your project manager. And like, that's one person that I can coordinate a time zone call with. It's it's when I have like four people I need to get on a call across the world, then that's really hard. Um, So even then I think it's okay, but definitely those practitioners that are seeing one-to-one people and they're doing it like four hours out of their day, I can see where that could start being um, a problem. So in those scenarios, that's where it is just looking to see, okay, how can I reduce the one-to-one time or create more of an asynchronous program, support program? Maybe it's just a Voxer support and maybe we still meet, you know, but it's less frequent or you do more of a group coaching and you have live calls and and just cutting down that that one-to-one time, which honestly, I think that's the goal of any practitioner, no matter what industry, where you live, what, whatever you want to be doing is that you don't want to be on client calls eight hours a day, five days a week. That leaves no room for anything else. And it, yeah. <laughs> so. it's, not, it's not the ideal schedule regardless of where you're at. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, the more you can reduce that live time. Um, and even when it comes to selling, you know, I do live launches of my program and um, that's been a, a bit of a challenge um, for sure. And somehow it always happens that like I'm live launching like the week after we moved to a new country. So like I was launching the week after we arrived here in Bali from the United States. So I was adjusting to jet lag and a new country 
um, and going live at like 11 PM at night. So I was like, not my best self, but, (laughs) um, you know, it was, it was okay. Uh, but those kinds of things, you know, there are definitely like drawbacks, not everything's perfect and rainbows and butterflies and yeah, yeah, go work from Asia and it's just going to be great, you know, but at the same time, I like, I'd prefer to be here. So yeah. Small price to pay for living, traveling where you want to and exploring the world. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say. So one thing that I really value about the work that you do is having such a solid online presence, which I feel like naturally comes with the job of being a web designer. You are preaching online presence, but um, I can only imagine that the like that your online presence has impacted your business in a really positive way. So what strategies have you found to be the most effective in having this sustainable, consistent online presence? Mm-hmm. Well, I will first tell people patience because (laughs) honestly, I, you know, I look at like the Amy Porterfields and the Marie Forleo's and the Jenner Kutcher's and I'm like, they, their stuff is beautiful. They're everywhere. They have a podcast. They have a gorgeous website. They've got lead magnets. Everything makes sense. It's wonderful. And I was like, I, I want that. And if you go chasing after them, (laughs) Like you're just going to get discouraged and then you're going to burn out and not do anything at all. And so that has happened to me where I've just tried to do everything, do way too much, compare myself to others, like poo-poo on what I'm doing because it's not as good as Amy Porterfield's multi-million dollar like business owner with a team of like 20 or 30 people behind her. Like, yeah, yeah it, it better not be as good. As it's her. like we're in the same brain that I have also been there a couple of times. Okay. I'm good. Those three yeah, people just a few times. Amy, so Jenna, and Marie, like Marie. all of them. I was like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so glad I'm not alone. Yeah. You're it's... not alone in that. <laughs> Uh, And it's such a slippery slope because it is good to learn from them. Like, I don't know if you do this, but I have started, I have um, filters in my email where I just save all of their emails into folders so that I can refer to them anytime I'm writing an email sequence. And I like, oh, it's like the best thing ever. My, my marketing coach is what turned me on to it. She's like, oh yeah. And she like watches all the launches. She's like, I watched Amy's launch this year. It's like, it's like a golf tournament to her. It's hilarious. Oh, I'm it's, totally going to start doing that. It's great. You just pick a few of your favorite people. And instead of having like, cause I use unroll me. So instead of having them rolled up like anywhere or having them even come in, you can have them like skip the inbox too. So that they just go into the folder and mm-hmm. You know, and so, but I'll go and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to look at Marie's emails while I work on my car open emails. But then I start feeling like, God, she's doing such a good job writing this. And so it's, it's definitely hard to keep out of that comparisonitis when you're also trying, trying to draw inspiration. But anyway, back to the question I had. So some of the strategies, um, one of the first things was creating my website and then setting up systems in my website. So as I went at, out there and talked to people and went on podcasts and was in Facebook groups and just all that and posting on social, but when we're starting and really anytime like that networking and 
PR and all of that is is so valuable, leveraging other people's audiences, much like what I'm doing today with you. Right, exactly. Um, yes. Is is how you start gr- growing that momentum. But if you don't have anywhere to send people uh, and then where you send them, they're not able to move forward with you quickly and in an easy way, then it's it's not um, it's not a good thing. So honestly, just like simply having your email list, having some solid lead magnets that you're dropping, you know, on, at various occasions for various things, and then having some kind of automated schedule or something that people can, you know, get, get booked on the calendar. Take action like, immediately yeah. when they're inspired. Right. Yes. Yeah. And have all of that automated. Like I would just wake up and there would be calls on my calendar and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know? So just those kinds of things. Um, because I, I, I didn't and still don't have a huge social following. I don't have a gigantic, a gigantic email list either. Um, but I've just tried to be consistent. Sometimes I've fallen off the wagon and gotten burned out, whatever. Um, but where needed, I've also gotten help. So my marketing coach is someone who I've worked with now for a couple of years because I was just getting too much in my head about my marketing. I was just like, because I just... I was comparing myself to other people and I was feeling like nothing I was coming up with was smart or catchy or interesting. And it was was like endless opportunities with marketing. Like, it's like, where do you draw the line? Like, how do you choose what, you know, fills your bucket, but it's also sustainable. Like there's there's so much that comes with marketing. Yes. Yeah. And it, it does, it should have a strategy. Like I, I don't, don't want people to feel overwhelmed, but it is true. You should not be posting on social media if you don't know why you're posting and what those posts are driving towards. What are the things that your customers are need to be needing to hear? Are you also trying to form some kind of relationship, a connection, which obviously we want to be doing, but how often are you doing that, making sure you're not posting I, you know, I'm maybe posting a few too many gecko stories in my stories right now. I'm here for the gecko stories. Keep yeah. Them up. I look I've forward heard to people them. love the geckos. So I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's just my stories, it's not like covering up my whole feed, just like gecko photos. So yeah. like some seven-year-old science, <laughs> science student. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's, that's it. So I, I think just starting with like that solid foundation of how are people going to find you and learn about what you do and how you help, how you can help them. And then how they can become part of your audience, getting on your email list. Um, and then how they can start working with you and just like get that in place. And then it's like this concentric circles, you know, you just keep building, but if the core is not right and working well first, then all that other stuff, it's like, people are just going to be, and I'm like using lots of hand motions right now. So the the listeners, I'm sorry. We'll convert it into a little social media graphic (laughs) to convey it. (laughs) It's like, it's like a big sinkhole (laughs) all that work and all that traffic. They're just going right through and, and falling through. And, and then you know, when you think about it, like then you're not going to have a solid presence because you're not going to be getting the traction for all of your efforts and you're going to give up. You're not going to have the money to keep going. It's just not going to be a good thing. So start with with the basics, get that down and then um, get some help. I think there's no re- no problem in getting help. I think one of the things that I've seen some people doing, um, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but 
And this was a trap that I kind of almost wanted to fall into when I was starting was wanting to start with a course and wanting to start with some kind of like low ticket thing. Um, But the problem with those things is that it takes a long time to make money from those things. And when you think about how much, how many of them you need to sell in order to make money, that means that you need to have a pretty large audience and get it in front of a lot of people um, because you're not going to convert every eyeball that sees your thing. And then it means, okay, well, how are you building that audience? A lot of that comes with either time or money spent on ads. Um, and if you're just starting out, you know, you're probably not wanting to spend a whole lot of money on ads. Um, and so then if you're not generating that capital, you then can't be hiring some help to help you figure some of these things out. And so you're kind of like just holding yourself back from like moving forward. Um, and you know, it's all about investing strategically in your business and the right kinds of people. And that can be tough. I've heard a lot of people just having difficulty of hiring the wrong help. I've been there myself, you know, and we just have to keep moving and trying to make the best decisions that we can, um, with that, but it don't give up on, on hiring help because everyone has help. I mean, I was listening to, to our friend, Amy's podcast the other day and she was like my coach i'm like amy has a coach of course she has a coach of course she has a you coach know? yeah not, there's no way she's doing that by herself like no even though she definitely seems like she knows everything yeah yeah <laughs> it's always nice to have so. a second set of eyes on your business that is like a more neutral yeah. not emotionally yes. invested in it so right right yeah. for sure especially during those like launch times or other bumpy times yeah yeah Absolutely. Um, so we'll go ahead and end with this uh, last question before we move into the rep fire rounds, because Hannah and I love some good systems in our business. We personally use Asana. I would love to hear more about Reich, but what have been your favorite systems that you have implemented into your business that has allowed yeah. you to like keep it going? Um, so, you know, this is not really like a, a, a cool system, but like email marketing, your mm-hmm. my email platform like and lead magnets it's just so critical because selling from your email list is amazing yep. <laughs> uh that's how we have launched our our program multiple times and you know we focus you focus on growing your email list in between launches and then then you actually sell to those people on on your email list and this is even if you are running and, and doing services or selling, you know, one-to-one ca- counseling packages and things like that, you can still be selling from your email list. So I just yeah. think from a marketing and sales perspective, that's important. And then on can the I, client, del- oh yeah. Can I poke with the email marketing? What platform do you use and what have been your most successful lead magnets? Okay. So we are today moving to ConvertKit, like Ooh. literally today. Ooh. Wow. Okay. What were yeah. you on? Mailchimp. Okay, I understand yeah. the move. <laughs> right, Mailchimp is the bane of my existence. Oh, we use know. it for a, a nonprofit. Uh, I sit on a board for a nonprofit here in Houston, and it's all like yeah. the website and is linked with Mailchimp for all of the member communication listserv. And I mm-hmm. have like gotten into that, and I'm like, I can't stand this. So, a plus yeah. move. <laughs> I've had to do so many workarounds for it, like. 
anyone oh. who comes into our program now, I'm just like, if you have MailChimp, like continue using it. But if you don't have it and you're starting fresh, like I, I just recommend ConvertKit. Like, I think it's just a solid choice. The price is reasonable. Um, so yeah. And so in terms of um, lead magnets, so I would say we created a service mapping workbook that was um, like how to structure your services on your website, like multiple services. Mm -hmm. um, so that one's been pretty good. And then I just launched the one that actually is live that I would love people to access if they would like um, is my abundant profit planner. So it's off the, the website track, but it does, it does all make sense once you get yep. into it. Uh, but it's basically just like coming up with what your income goals, what you want them to be based on what's actually important to you. Because as we know, I am not so traditional in how I view work and life. And I think our income goals should really be dependent on what we actually want and not just some number that some you know person is saying, oh, don't you want to be making X a year? It's like, maybe I don't, you know? Or maybe I want to make more. I don't know. Um, but then taking that number and breaking it down into, okay, well, how? what services should you be selling? What should you be selling them at? How many of them should you be selling? And so you can really see because that's that's what helped me make decisions in my business um, about where to invest. And it's like a light bulb going off. So anyway, you can go to WhitneyBateson.com slash profit for that one. Um, but that one's, we just launched that one like a week or two ago and we've had a lot of people uh, get in on it. So I'm excited about that one. Everyone loves the like lifting of the curtain into the money, money conversation. So we'll definitely be sure to link that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah. And then like other systems, like client delivery stuff, like we've um, set up automations between Kajabi, our CRM, Dubsado. So some of these things I've had for years and I just don't feel like changing like Dubsado. You know, I know there's better like CRMs and stuff like that out there, but like 250 a year or something. So it's very reasonably priced. And um, so we use that Kajabi, Dubsado, Thrivecart, and um, and then MailChimp or RIP uh, ConvertKit. And we use Zapier to just make them all work together. So when people make a purchase, um, all the onboarding for them getting into the program is just kind of seamless and runs. So that one took me a while to map out and like sketch out and write the flow and like test it. But then once it came together, it was just like chef's kiss. It was, I was so proud of that one. Oh, it's such a good feeling. I, I'm the same way. I like hand write everything like with flows. I usually put yeah. like a big poster board up on my wall and I'm like, okay, if this goes here, I'll use sticky notes so I can move them around. And oh, yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's so fun to, to problem solve that, but also yeah, yeah love Zapier to connect everything. Incredible. It's the best. Yeah. The I best. was dealing with some other like bookkeeping thing where I was having to manually enter transactions that were coming from Thrivecart into QuickBooks. And I was like, I bet I can use a zap for this. Because yep. I had, so this is the other thing about systems is, you know, I was thinking about hiring a bookkeeper to do that for me. And then I was like, no, it's first, you need to see if you can eliminate the task completely or if you can't eliminate it, try and automate it. And then you can delegate it if you haven't been able to get, but I had not passed the, the automation point. And so, and then it, it all worked. It took me a little bit again to like test it and make it work, but it's like, oh, thank God That's for that. Such a good system to follow with systems of uh, uh, eliminate, eliminate, automate, automate delegate. delegate. 
Yes. Genius. I'm sure I got it from someone else. So I'm sorry. I can't give credit, but, but me, I don't know. Maybe I came up, I don't know, but uh, regardless, it's genius. Yeah. It's a good way to go about things because you really shouldn't be just creating work when it could actually be just eliminated entirely. So incredible. Okay. Let's move on to some rapid fire questions. You have no idea what these are. No. The first thing that comes to mind, I have seven of them for you. You ready? Okay. Yes. If your business was an animal, what would it be? Like a kangaroo. We'll say a kangaroo. Just because like (laughs) it goes up and down. (laughs) No, it's, yeah, it's powerful. Keeps going. Love it. What's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? I can make any decision I want and I don't need to ask anyone else for permission. What is your morning routine to get ready for the day? I wake up with my little Fitbit silent alarm, get onto my yoga mat and do some kind of workout on my app, um, my Fit On app. And then I get cleaned up, meditate, have breakfast, journal, and then start the day. And it takes me about two hours. And I've been doing that for like three years straight. So I love it. Currently saying hi to the little geckos when you wake up in the morning. Yes. Yeah. The ones that haven't scampered away from the night. Yeah. If you had $100,000 to spend on your business today, how would you spend it? I've been looking at like, I would love to join like a mastermind. Yeah. Because I just ended with my business coach because we've worked together for like five years now. She's amazing. She's seen me through everything, but it just felt time to end. And I really would love to be in like a group setting. And so then I would also spend the rest of that money on flights flying to where there were events. So like I'm in James Wedmore's business by design and he's doing his BBD live um, uh, in December. And I'm just so sad that like, there's no way I'm flying from Japan over to Arizona. Um, but if money was no object and I could also like fit in 60 hours of round trip international travel, uh, then I would do that. What is the hardest decision you've had to make in your business? Deciding to move forward with the the course and the program. I really hemmed and hawed over it and I was very scared that it wasn't going to work or, you know, all that stuff. So What is your least favorite task that you've happily outsourced? Following up with like failed payments. (laughs) (laughs) One to outsource. (laughs) And this is probably the question I'm most excited to ask you. What's the best thing that you've eaten in the last week? Okay. Oh, in the last week? Yes. Okay. I know. I feel like there's probably a lot of options for you. I mean, we'll count, let's say like seven days. So not just like calendar week. Okay. So we did a 15 course um, tasting on Saturday at a restaurant called Room for Dessert. It was five courses of savory and 10 courses of dessert. It was amazing. My God. Wait, is this (laughs) the one where y'all like move to different rooms? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like what, chef. like a different ambiance in each room or? Yeah, the first one was like this, like 
it was light. It was still light outside, and there was glass. It was open windows, and we sat at the bar, and so it was like kind of light and casual. And then we then they took us through the kitchen. So you walk through the kitchen beyond like all the people cooking and stuff. It's a small place, so it's not like a gigantic kitchen. But you go through, and like all the people behind the bar, are like, huh? You know, they're all so nice. They're not like, why are you behind us? Obviously, because, you know, it's the thing. But and then it's like dark. It's like a dark dining room. And so you're in there and doing that. And and then they took us out to the backyard where there's their garden and they have a campfire and you sit on these benches and you just finish your your last few courses out by the campfire. So incredible. What was the best dessert that you ate? The there was this like chocolate i mean i just love chocolate like even though some desserts can be like really like new and interesting and all that it was like pieces of brownie with some gelato and like other chocolate around them and it just yeah it was delicious although you know honestly earlier that day i had turkish eggs and i said that that was the best thing i'd eaten in a long long time and they were just amazing. So Saturday, just in general, was just a culinary highlight. Incredible food day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was great. And, you know, all the prices are just so reasonable. So it's also just so wonderful to be able to enjoy these things and feel like I'm not breaking the bank and, you know, can still feel like I'm living luxuriously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Whitney. We'll go ahead and uh, end with this. Where can folks find you, connect with you, and how can they work with you? Thank you so much for asking. So one thing that I have coming up, actually, so at the time this is airing, this will be tomorrow. So if you can't, um, you know, by the time you listen to this, it's okay. Uh, But I'm doing a workshop to help uh, nutrition practitioners and any kind of nutrition business owner come up with your services and how you can be structuring your services and pricing them to actually help you get to that six figure or more business. So that workshop is free. Uh, go to whitneybateson.com slash path to 100 K and that will be, um, going live November 14th at 7 PM Eastern. So, um, you know, you got time to register and then my website is whitneybateson.com. And if you want to see all the gecko stories, all the travel stories and the food and all that, just head over to uh, Instagram. I'm at Whitney Bateson. And um, finally, to work with me, if you want to join the dietitian website system, we open enrollment a couple times a year. We will actually be doing, spoiler alert, a Black Friday enrollment, special enrollment sale. Uh, so if you head over to my website, like any place you click to get on any kind of, and you can go to whitneybase.com slash DWS and you'll get to the page and you can get on the wait list. And that's the easiest way to be notified of when, when the sale is coming and to learn more and all of that. Um, so that's probably what I recommend to learn more about DWS. And if it's something that's interesting to you, get on the wait list, add your name, and I'll tell you more about it in the coming weeks. Awesome. Thanks so much, Whitney. We will talk with you soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Morgan. It was great. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. And don't forget, we have a free masterclass. Be sure to head over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com to sign up for maximizing new year energy. We'll see you next week.